Good morning, church. Uh, today's Bible reading is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, and a time to give up. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, and a time to mend. A time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. When I uh, first thought about today and was trying to think of a, an appropriate passage uh, in the Bible to reflect on, uh, at first I thought this passage was a good one. <laughs> uh, there's a time for everything, right? I just read it. It's a time for this and a time for that, a time for leaving and a time for staying. The snares are leaving and there's a good time for that, there's a time for that. We're all staying and there's a, there's a time for that. It's all good, praise God, see you later. Uh, but then I dug a little bit further into this passage and uh, it's not actually that simple. So, a bit of background for, of Ecclesiastes might help us here. For the most part, it's written by a guy, a guy called, uh, simply called the teacher, uh, who's talking as if he were King Solomon. Uh, the wisest and richest and most powerful king in Israel's history. If there's going to be anyone who knows about life and what you can get out of it, it's this guy. But after trying his hand at pretty much everything and thinking deeply about what life's all about, uh, his conclusion is that nothing is satisfying. Everything is like smoke. It's passing away and, and meaningless. He can't make good things last and he can't stop bad things happening. He's the wisest and most powerful man, but he doesn't have uh, control over life or over time, which is where we land in chapter 3, where the teacher gets all poetic uh, from verse 1, saying there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then, as we uh, heard read, lists a bunch of opposite things from verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die, etc., on and on and on. And all these opposites, they all kind of point out that God's ordered his creation in a fixed way. People, people are free to respond to that order if they want, but, but the poem, it's actually driving home the fact that God's made the world in such a way that it links in with proper times and that these are God's times. Times that God set up, not our times, God's times. But then, uh, observing this, uh, the teacher jumps in with his favourite rhetorical question. 
Uh, verse 9, he says, What do workers gain from their toil? In the context, it actually sounds pessimistic. It's, what's the point? What's the point to human labour and life? And part of the reason for the teacher's pessimism here is because he can't say one way or another if there is a point. Because all he can see is what he can see. Verse 10, he says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God's done from beginning to end. Now the teacher says, I can see everything's beautiful. In the sense of it's being fitting. There's a fitting time for everything. That everyone is born at a set time. That everyone dies at a set time. Uh, weeps and laughs at fitting times. There, there's a fitting time for a lie to catch up with a liar. Uh, a fitting time when it doesn't, etc., etc. Uh, along with the teacher, I think we all recognise that there's a time and a place for everything. But only because we have a sense that there is, or well, has to be, a, a larger picture. A sense of eternity, as the teacher says here, which God has actually placed in the hearts of people. People generally and rightly sense that there's a bigger story, that everything that happens and everything that we do must play a part in, uh, that our life and our labour is it's part of something bigger, a, a chapter or maybe a sentence in some grand cosmic story, some ultimate end that makes our life meaningful. But the teacher says, yeah, but uh, people just can't figure that out. And no amount of Thinking or reasoning or experimentation or testing or meditation can lift the lid on that, that grand story. And not being able to lift the lid on that is just frustrating and disheartening. Now I listened to uh, the book, a book the other month called Infinite by Jeremy Robinson. It's an interesting sci-fi about a crew of scientists that are in cryogenic sleep on their way to the closest habitable planet to Earth. Uh, they all tragically die, except two. Um, don't worry, that's not a spoiler alert for the book if you're going to read it. Um, anyway, one who wakes, one of them though, wakes to find that he's been genetically modified to never die. And the novel is actually all about exploring the torturous nature of eternal life without some ultimate ending. Uh, and how this guy yearns for death over living forever because there's no resolution. Uh, there's no ending, there's no satisfaction, just endless, lonely drudgery. And so he ends up fabricating some elaborate, immersive virtual world for his mind to live in, and he calls it the great escape, to get away, to get away from the frustration of eternal life in the real world where there's no grand, satisfying resolution. Which is kind of where the teacher lands as well. He's applied his vast knowledge and personal resources and keen observational skills to get at the heart of what life's all about and landed on the frustrating reality that no one can escape what seems to be like the eternal cycle of God's times, set times, that he's put in place. And yet, on top of that, he's put in the heart of everybody that there, there is a time and a place for everything. That there has to be, uh, there's a sense of something bigger, some grand story that God knows about, but he hasn't let anyone else in on, and, and no one can figure it out. And so, and so the teacher's left effectively saying, so what's, what's the point? But then, something happens. You may have picked it up when we read it earlier. The teacher seems to do a backflip flip in some of his uh, thinking. Verse 12, he says, I know that there is nothing better 
for people then to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may drink, eat, drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything that God does will endure forever. The question is though, how does he know this? How does he know these things? I mean, clearly not from observing the life and observing people toiling around him away because others would see these things and arrive at the same frustrating conclusion that he did just a moment ago. So how does he know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live? How does he know eating and drinking and finding satisfaction in work is a gift from God? How does he know everything God does endures forever? How does he know these things? Well, he knows all this because of his faith as an Israelite. As an Israelite, he's grown up in a nation that traces its very origin back to God. A a nation that God himself chose out of all the nations in the world to especially reveal himself to, who saved them out of slavery in Egypt, who told them what is good and what is evil and and established them in the promised land of of Canaan and he gave them peace and prosperity, particularly in the time of King Solomon. To be an Israelite was to know God, the one true God, who's not only their saviour but who's righteous and the creator and sustainer of all things. And so as much as the teacher might be frustrated by what he sees happening in the world and the apparent endless enigmatic kind of cycle to life and the seasons and the activities of life, no matter how much he might feel like it's kind of Groundhog Day, he knows by faith in the God of Israel that there is nothing better than to enjoy the life that God's given us by doing what is good, which he knows what is good because God's told him and all the Israelites what's good. And so any enjoyment of food or drink or satisfaction in work in a godly way is a gift from God. And that whatever God's big plan might be for the cosmos, it'll endure forever and he can be entrusted, he can be trusted with it. Now, unlike the teacher, some 3,000 years later, uh, we're a lot further along in knowing God's big plans than the teacher was. Uh, he didn't know what we know now, particularly after Jesus. As the Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament, God is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There is a plan. There's a plan for the seasons and for every activity under the sun. A plan for the fullness of time, where everything and every time is heading, and it's to unite all things in Jesus. Or a better translation might be to sum up all things in Jesus, to bring everything in heaven and on earth to the main point, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the goal. He's the end. He's the whole point of everything, every time and every season. We can honestly say there is a time and a place for everything because we know where it's heading. We know what the punchline is. We know what the goal is and it's Jesus Christ. For those who are old enough to remember uh, when the Star Wars saga first came out with the the film Star Wars A New Hope, it was quite unique to see at the time, to see that it was actually episode four. 
Uh, and the following films, episodes five and six, The Empire Strike Back and The Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, just fear information is the best one, uh, they all seem to be about Luke Skywalker learning to be a Jedi. But then, when the first three episodes were released later, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, it became clear that the entire saga up to that point, all six episodes are actually more about Luke's father, Anakin, and his fall and final redemption as the Lord Vader. Star Wars was actually all about Darth Vader, and many might say it should have stayed that way. And when it comes to real life, it's a bit the same. We might find ourselves in episode four uh, and feel like the big story is all about COVID or climate change or everyone just getting along, and that the main character in all this is you and what you want or don't have, when in fact the whole saga of creation does have a point, the times and the seasons for everything, they have a goal, and it's Jesus. They all find their fulfilment in Jesus. Everything in the, the complete saga of humanity and all of creation is a stage for Jesus. That means every season that we find ourselves in, every activity we're a part of, we know ultimately where it's heading. And so we don't need to, to worry about it. We don't need to fear life. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear God. We don't need to fear the future. Because in Jesus, we have God's forgiveness. We have his friendship now and forever and one day in glory. Which means now, while we wait to go to glory, we know where to spend our time while we wait in these times. As the Apostle Paul says elsewhere, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. It's not smoke. So whether you're in Brisbane or here in Gosford, uh, whatever you're doing, whether it's up front and being applauded for it or unseen and unsung, you know the fulfilment of these times and these seasons. They are in Jesus. So let's give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord Jesus, especially when things are good and life's pretty secure in a worldly sense and maybe pretty cruisy with a ton of entertaining distractions to fill your time with. Then stand firm in Jesus by always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Put him first all the time. Trust him. Remember him. Talk to him. Talk about him. Point to him. Love others for him. Live fully for him. Be known as that Jesus person. And when life's maybe hard or challenging and feels like maybe Groundhog Day, or you feel like you're making one step forward and two steps back and you're wondering at the point of whatever you're doing, uh, whether it's school or uni or raising kids or leading a company or working a dead-end job or working a stressful job or managing a sick and ailing body or a challenging family or situation, whatever season or activity, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Live in such a way that those around about you know you have all the time in the world for the things that Jesus loves. Forgiveness and compassion and serving and truthfulness and integrity and faithfulness because of Jesus. So in the seasons and times that we find ourselves in, let's, 
Let's stand firm in Jesus. Live for him. Point to him. Proclaim him. Love others for him. Spend your time on him. Because you know, unlike anything else, your labour in the Lord Jesus is never in vain. And I'm going to pray that we would always know this. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the point of all of creation. That he is the fulfilment of all times, seasons and activities. And that we can in confidence invest in him, knowing that it is not smoke, not meaningless, not a waste of our time but in fact investing in something that will last, knowing you and being with you and eternity with our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Help us in the light of that to live for Jesus, to work for him, to be loving him, to be pointing to him, to be loving others for him. May our lives revolve around Jesus. May he define who we are and what we do and may we never give up uh, living for him in everything that we do, knowing that this will last. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.